Welcome to Grace Community Church On Demand, the weekly podcast from the Sunday services at Grace Community Church in Rupert, Idaho. Here at Grace, we believe in building the kingdom of God one person at a time. We're passionate about loving God, loving people, and following Jesus. Let's get into this week's message with Pastor Travis Turner. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen, amen. So today is the final message in this series that we've been in, being the change that your world needs. And, uh, and when you think about Jesus and his life, how many of you know that Jesus was on mission? Right? He was on mission. And when he finished his life and, and he was getting ready to go to, you know, to be with his father, he was getting ready to go to the cross and, and, and you know, he, 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 he gave the great commission. Matthew 28 is one of the places that that's found. And uh, so he commissioned you and I to carry on the mission that he had started. And so we join with Jesus to impact our world. And, uh, and before I go any further, I just want to say this. I want you to be encouraged and challenged not to think too highly of this world. You know, we're not at a funeral service here this morning. Come on, we're at a, we're at a celebration of life service here this morning, right? How many of you know that there, were, there was life representation and there's life representation out here? So this isn't a funeral service, but I'm telling you, so often we put so much into this life. And, and you know what? I love this life. I love this world. I love, you know, I love all that's going on. But I want to remind us all that this world is not our home. We're strangers in a strange land and we're passing through. Jesus said this to himself. He said, listen, I go to prepare a place for you that where I am and where my father are, that you also might be there. Amen. And so I'm excited about that. Don't get too enamored with this world because it's temporary. So we're going to look at five places. Somebody say five. Five places in the Bible where we see the Great Commission. This is the same story, the same account that five different people are sharing. We, we turn our Bibles into the, you know, to the New Testament. We've got the first five books of the Bible, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And so with these four um, different accounts of the gospel here, you see the same story, but you also see it you know, told in a little bit different way. So Matthew 28 and verse 19, it says, Therefore, and, and then there's a clear assignment that's giving, Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them, right? How, how cool is that? We had three baptisms this morning. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And teaching them, those people that you're, that you're reaching, that you're making disciples of, and teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always, even. So as you're reaching and making disciples, as you're going into all the world, surely, Jesus says, I am with you always, even to the very end of the age. So let's go to the next book. Mark, same account, same story, a little bit different. It says Mark 16, 15 says, he said to them, go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation. How many of you know that it's good news whenever your sins are washed away? Come on, every single, I, I don't care if Mother Teresa was sitting here, Mother Teresa, as, as incredible as she was, she was in need of a savior, right? Every single person have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Every person. 
There's not one that's good, and there was only one, and it was Jesus, right? So all of us have sinned and fallen short. The good news is this, that you don't have to pay for your sin. Jesus went to the cross and paid for your sin. And so that's good news. Go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation. Luke chapter 24 and verse 47, Jesus says, With my authority, take this message of repentance to the nations. Now, what is repentance? Repentance is a military term. It's when you're, when you're going in the ways of the world, you're going one direction, right? And then all of the sudden, you have this encounter with Jesus, you do an about face, and you walk the, the opposite direction in which you were going. How many of you have experienced repentance in your life? I'm telling you what, man, I served the devil in an extraordinary way. Like I was really, really good at it. But, 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 but I was also very, very empty whenever I was pursuing the, the, the devil and when I was serving myself and serving this world. But I'm telling you, there was a time where I turned around, I repented of my sins, and I said, Jesus, I'm no longer going the ways of the world, but now I'm following you. And so he says, with my authority, Take this message of repentance to all the nations, beginning in Jerusalem. Do you know what this is? This right here is our Jerusalem. This is the place where we live. So, so you could say beginning in Rupert, beginning in Burley, beginning in the Minikasha area, beginning in the Magic Valley. This is our Jerusalem. But we don't stop there, right? We, we continue out. So, but we start where we live because there is forgiveness of sins for all who will turn to me. And somebody here needs to hear that this morning. You know, you're feeling the weightiness of sin. And I want you to know this, that there is forgiveness of sins to anybody that will turn to Jesus. And once again, that's good news. John chapter 20 and verse 21 says this, as the father has sent me, Come on, Jesus was sent by the Father on mission. Now he says, so now I am sending you. And then we take a look at the book of Acts, which is the, which is the picture of the first church. I encourage you to read the book of Acts somewhat often because it really shows us a picture of what the church is supposed to look like. These are the first words from Jesus in the book of Acts. It says, you will receive power. Somebody say power. When the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And so when somebody asks me, why is Grace Church, you know, just a little bit everywhere? You know, why did we have representation in Grace Church this morning to go and to and to help these kids that are suffering from AIDS in one way, shape, or form, HIV, AIDS. Why, why would we, you know, why would we, why would we do that? Why would we give money? We got enough problems in our own community. And somebody else might say, you know, well, why are we worried about, you know what I mean, the correctional facilities and getting into the reentry center and, 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 and getting our services pumped into that? Why is it that we, that we go to the Dominican Republic, you know, so often and sponsor as a church over 50 kids 
in the Dominican Republic? Why is it that we would take the money that we earn in Idaho as a people group and build a church in the, in the Dominican Republic? You know, why are we doing so much work in Africa? You know, there's hardly any people that have even been to Africa in this church. You know, why are we, why are we, why are we putting a roof? Why are we going to re-roof somebody's house that doesn't even go to Grace Community Church? Why are we looking at putting a roof on a, on a, on a homeless shelter in, 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 in Rupert, Idaho? Another roof, a second roof. Why are we doing all of these things? The reason why we're having the Tim Tebow Night to Shine event, the reason why we do one of the most incredible live nativities that, you can, that you've ever been to in this community and in and through this church, the reason why we have a huge Easter drama is because... Jesus put us on assignment. You and I have been put on assignment. You know why? So that we could see people repent of their sins, enter into the waters of baptism, and, 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 and turn from their, their old life, which leads to despair and hurt and pain and destruction, come on and turn towards, turn towards Jesus. You know why? It's because, because we want to populate heaven and we want to destroy hell. We want to populate heaven all the, at the same time we want to destroy hell. And so how cool is this, that the church is a place to gather. It's a lot of different places to gather, but the church is one of those places to gather. But you know what kind of breaks my heart just a little bit? Is oftentimes that's all the church does. I'm not pointing fingers at any church. We've got our own issues. You know, there's a ton of ways that we ourselves can get better. But I'm telling you what, there are some churches that just want to gather and there's not a lot of going. So it's all about just getting people gathered up in one location, but there's not a lot of going. And I will say this about this church is we're not afraid to go. We're not afraid to do even something that we've never, that we've never done before. But let's gather. When we come in here on Sunday morning, let's gather to be encouraged. But how many of you know that your mission is really outside of these walls? Like this is, there's a, there's a lot of cool things that happen here and people get saved and, and whatnot. But I'm telling you what, out there is the mission field, not in here. Not, right? This is a place to gather. This is the halftime pep talk. Hey guys, you guys are doing an incredible job. Let, let's, let's work on this and tweak this just a little bit. Come on, let's go get them. There's a lot of people in our community, maybe even in your family that don't even know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Let's go share the good news. Amen. We're on mission. We're on mission. So today the title of my message is simply this, come and see, because we will not reach what we fail to see. You will not reach what you fail to see. You will never be a part of what's taking place in India until you see the problem that those kids are facing in India. God moves on your heart. You're like, listen, I can participate. I'm not much of a walker, certainly not much of a runner, but I'm telling you what, if she's going, I'll support her. Men's breakfast, yesterday morning, we, Sean gets up and he says, listen, we got two spots available, two more spots available to go to Samaritan's Purse. He takes a group out. We've got, I think this is our third trip, right? We're, we're, when are we going? December, we're going to rebuild a, a people that, that have been hurt by the floods out there. 
And he's like, listen, we got two more spots. One guy gets up. I didn't get permission, so I'm not going to say who it is. One guy gets up and says, listen, I can't go. My body's not going to, you know what I mean? It's not going to support that. But I tell you what I can do is I can pay for two people half of their way there. And so you know what? Two people stood up, said, I can go then. Right? So you might not be able to go, but you can send somebody else to go. And how many of you know that when you send somebody else to go, come on, you share in every single thing that takes place on that mission trip, right? This is why we, we sponsor so many kids. This is why we do what it is that, 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 that we do. But I'm telling you this, that it's easy not to see the homeless person at Walmart. It's easy not to see the person that's broke down on the side of the road. Have you, ever, have you ever watched somebody around homeless people? It's like the homeless person's right there, and all of a sudden they look over here. Right? It's easier not to get caught up with all that. I'm a busy person. I got places to go and people to see, right? Have you ever been stuck in traffic and and you, all you need is one kind person, you know what I mean, to let you in. I, I tell you where I see this the most, I see this at the Burley Fireworks. Because we, we usually go down to, down to the, golf car, the golf course and, and we'll be down there along the river watching the, watching the fireworks go off. Well, afterwards, especially if you get caught up chit-chatting and talking and you're not the first one back to your car, you may be there an hour and a half. And this is what's happening. You're sitting there, and there's a whole line of people, and you would think, you would think, you would think, especially if these people are Christian. So I don't know, but I've seen some of you all out there ignoring me too. You know, you would think one person goes, and then you let the next person go. And then one person goes, and the next person goes. But let's say you're parked right here. I've been parked right here, and this is the line of traffic right here. And I'm just like... And this, and this is what they're doing. I'm over here. I'm honking. I almost had to get out of my car one time, walk up to the window. Please, please. Right? They just, they totally just ignore you. Because listen, if they don't see you, they don't have to do anything about it. And a lot of times that's how people, even Christian people, live life. If I don't, if I don't see it, then I'm not responsible for it. And so I want to set up our story here today just real quick. Jesus is with his disciples. Um, they're in Samaria. And, um, and, and, and this, this, the disciples, they, you know, they, they go off to run some errands and Jesus is thirsty and he, and he goes over to a well and th that's where you go when you're thirsty. And there was a woman that was there and she was drawing water and, and, uh, and, and, and I want you to know this, that during this time there were some made, God bless you. Wow. That was a good one. Who was that? That was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> that was impressive. Uh, so, 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 uh, <laughs> sorry. So anyway, during this time, there were some major racial barriers. There was a lot of racial barriers. And then there were also some major gender barriers. 
I want you to know this, that Jews and Samaritans, they really didn't have anything. They didn't have anything to talk about. They didn't have any, you know, it just, it just wasn't good. And certainly men speaking with women, that wasn't, that wasn't a, a good thing either. Number one, um, because, you know, it was, it was looked at being inappropriate to speak to a woman in public. But the second thing was, is men just absolutely during this time thought that they were much better than women. In a lot of cases, women were looked more at like property than anything else. It's a terrible thing. But I'm just telling you this, just real quick. You know, we got racism in our, in our world today, and it certainly needs to be dealt with. But I'm telling you, we haven't seen racism like, like what you would even see today around the world. And I'm also going to say this, that Christianity has done more for racism and more for women than anybody else has done. And I'm just telling you, we need to recognize. Do we got a long place to go? You better believe it. But I'm just saying, that's what I'm saying. All right. So Jesus here, he smashes through these barriers, these racial and, racial and gender barriers. And he says this to this woman. He says, listen, would you draw me some water? I'm thirsty. And, and, and so he, he completely confronts these two issues. And the woman's response is, is the Jews have nothing to do with Samaritans, yet let alone uh, you know, you being a man and, and I'm being a woman. And so Jesus begins to read her mail. He says, he asks her a question. He says, hey, listen, um, where's your husband at? And she says, I don't have a husband. He says, yeah, you're right. You've had five husbands. And the guy that you're shacking up with right now, he's not you. Like, listen, you don't need to go to the latest tabloids or, or the latest drama. There's plenty of drama. It didn't say shacking up in the Bible, but that was just kind of my... <laughs> the guy that you're with right now, he's not, even your, he's not even your husband. And she said, I perceive that you are a prophet. She, she perceived that she was in the company of greatness just because he was able to, to share with her a little bit about her, about her past. And, and Jesus says, hey, if you would ask me, I could give you water that would cause you to never thirst again. So John chapter 4 is where we're going to pick this up. So Jesus has just had this interaction with this woman and his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with this woman. But nobody asked, what do you want or why are you talking with her? Now, listen, you might just read over this and not think that there's there's any anything important in these two questions. But I'm telling you, there is like the disciples. They, they were the students of the rabbi. They were the students of the teacher. And so it would have been very in place and very common for them to to return with, with whatever it is that they came back with and just say, hey, listen, teacher, is there anything that you need? Is there anything that I can do for you? And then certainly the, the student following the teacher, following the rabbi Jesus, because he just broke through these barriers, they should have asked him, why are you speaking to this woman? But they didn't. And the only reason why I can tell that this is in the scripture that, that, that's important for us to know is because they wish they would have or they should have asked these two questions. 
The Bible says, then leaving her water jar, the women or the woman went back to the town. And the town was just a village. It was like a couple minutes away. It wasn't like a long distance away. Went back to the town and said to the people, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Christ? They came out like the whole town came out. They came out and made their way towards him. Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. But Jesus said to them, I have food that you know nothing about. You see, they're worried about their bellies. And Jesus is saying, listen, you are missing it. You know, they're, they're worried about going to, like maybe some of you, going, you know, going to the wayside or, or hitting Panda right after, right after church. Or, or they've got this little Mexican restaurant right as you enter into, into Rupert. Man, praise God they're open on Sundays. We need more restaurants open on Sundays, amen? Just for us church-going folks. But then again, they won't be able to go to that. Anyway, we got to figure that out, but... But I'm just saying that here the disciples, you know what, they're worried about physical needs. And Jesus is saying, I've got food that you don't know anything about. And he's talking about the people that he is serving. He's like, are you kidding me? All these people are coming out to me? They're, they're, they're coming because of this woman and you're worried about, about food in your belly? Right? His disciples said to each other, could somebody have brought him food when we were gone? Right? They were missing it. Are you following this? And Jesus responds to that. He says, my food is to do the will of my Father who sent me and to finish his work. Do you not say four months and then the harvest? This was a common, a common saying of procrastination. Like if you were wanting to put something off till tomorrow, well, we got so much. We'll do that tomorrow. So this was a saying of procrastination. Do you not say four more months and then the harvest? I tell you, open your eyes. And this is why I titled the message, Open Your Eyes This Morning. Open your eyes. Open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for the harvest. Tell your neighbor just real quick, if we see it, we can do something about it. If we see it, we can do something about it. But in order to do something about it, you've got to see it. There's a condition called nearsightedness. And nearsightedness is whenever you can see things up close, but you can't see things in the distance. Like your eyes are the only time that, that, that your diagnosis is named after what you're good at. You know what I'm saying? It's just weird to me. It's a little bit strange. So, so... If you see close, you're called nearsighted. If you, if, you, if you can see far away, but this is my problem. If you can see far away, but you can't see up close, you're called farsighted. Anybody farsighted here? Anybody have, wish you had a little bit longer arms? You know what I mean? You're like reading something and it's just not out there. It's not out there far enough. I'm telling you what, I was telling Matt Johnson just the other day. We were having this conversation and... and um, his mom is an optometrist, and, uh, and I was just complaining to him a little bit. I was 45 years old, 45, 46-year-old, had 20-20 vision, and it seemed like overnight my eyesight went away, and so, so I could see freckles on a gnat one day, and then the next day I couldn't see anything, right? And, I, and I'm like, I, I need to go to, I need to, go to, the, to the doctor, 
And, and that's a weird experience the first time you go, you go to an eye doctor. You know what I mean? They like blow air in your eye. And, and, and they don't tell you about it. Like they should let a bro know before they're about to blow. You know, I'm just like, they said, look in this. And I'm looking just wide eyed. And then all of a sudden, poof. And I'm like, wow, what happened? And then they put solution in your eyes and dilate your eyes. And you can't see. It's like things are getting worse. I don't know if this was a good idea that I have come. And, and so they do this glaucoma test and then they dilate and they do all these different things. And, and sometimes people are nearsighted and other times they're farsighted. I don't know if people are both, you know, I really feel sorry for them if they are. But, uh, but I'm telling you that nearsightedness is really a condition of the church today. I want you to think about that. A lot of churches... Not this church, but we can even get better. People are like checking their eyesight. They're like, which one? I saw you, Sarah. I don't know what you were doing there, but you were just like, I think I'm nearsighted. (laughs) But the church oftentimes is nearsighted. Like we can see what's happening right here, but I can't see Sean and what Sean's going through. Like, I can see as long as it deals with me, my, and mine, but I can't, I can't allow myself to get further out there and see, come on, the problems that are in this community. And how many of you know we got a lot of problems in this community? Why is Grace Church a part of the, majorly a part of the suicide awareness? Because it's a problem. Why is Grace Church really involved with veterans, right? Because there's a real opportunity to serve veterans. Come on, why? Why? Because there's issues out there that need to be addressed, and God has called the church to be the one that... But, but there's a lot of churches that are nearsighted. They can see what's happening right here, but they can't see what's happening out there. I want you to know this, that this is a good test to, to, to see if you personally are nearsighted. I want you to ask I want you to ask yourself this question. If God answered every one of my prayers, would it change the world or would it just change me? If God answered every one of my prayers, would it change the world or would it just change me? Like, do your prayers just deal with, God, help me with this and please do this, you know what I mean, for me? Or does it go out further than you, and if it's most of your prayers are just about me, my, and mine, then you're nearsighted, and you need to you need to get some corrective vision, and 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 you need to look out a little bit further, because listen, the Lord is absolutely concerned with the one He's concerned with you, and there's no there's nothing wrong with praying me, my, and mine. But don't make that be your, 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 your main prayers or your only prayers because he loves you, Joe. He loves you just as much as he loves anybody else. I really believe that. But we're never going to be the change that this world needs if we don't lift up our eyes and look at the fields that are around us. For some people, the furthest that their prayers go is over their own family. You know, that's a good thing to pray about is your own family, right? But let's go out a little bit, a little bit further. I want you to know this, just some numbers real quick. 7.6 billion people in the world right now. Somebody say, that's a bunch, right? 
2.4 billion people are Christians. Now listen, that means that if Jesus was going to come back today, that means 2.4 billion out of the 5.7 or 6 billion people are going to go to heaven. Why we don't drop to our knees and, and, and that's disturbing to us, I don't know. Actually, I do know because it's just a number. That's just a number, right? 7.6 billion people is just a number. That means 5.2 billion people are going to hell in the event that Jesus comes back today, right? Joe, come up here just real quick. Clint, Bring your boy up with you, too. You guys come up just real quick. Come on up here just real quick. I want to show you something. Come on up here real quick, 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 quick. I know, Cree, you could just jump up here. You got them gazelle legs. So this is what I want you to do. I want you to stand right here, right here. Joe, Clint behind him. Turn this way. Turn towards me. Clint behind him. These guys are not following good instructions. Get... Act like you like one another. Ah. Not that much. Not that much. Oh. Get up tight. Tight. Tighter. 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 Okay. I want you to just take a look at this just real quick. If we were stacked like this, how many of you remember 9-11? Go ahead and turn to them now. Just keep that in your, in your head. If we were stacked, how many of you remember 9-11? We lost almost 3,000 people in 9-11, right? Just under 3,000 folks. Turn, turn back where you were. So this is the deal. Those 3,000 people, if they were stacked like this, you guys, you guys, there you go, in tight like this. If they were stacked like this, this would be just under 1,000 yards, which is 10 football fields of people. In that 3,000 people make up 1,000 yards. So listen, I would go down and I would be like, man, this person was lost, this person will, For, for 10 football fields, 10 football fields long. Go back to uh, 2004. Do you guys remember the tsunami? 2004, I think it was December 20th or December 4th or something along those lines. There were 250,000 people that had died in that tsunami. So 250,000 people stacked just like these men are stacked right here. 47 miles. 47 miles, that's from Rupert to Twin Falls, Idaho. Can you imagine walking down? 250,000 people died in that instant, in that moment, and you're walking down one by one, and you're looking at those people that had passed away from this life to the next. 5.2 billion people, you know what it does? It goes all the way around the world. Could you imagine going all the way and the lines connecting at the largest port, at the largest point in the world, right around the equator, not around the top or not around the bottom, 5.4 billion people stretches all the way around the world, not just once, but twice. Not just twice, but five times. Not just five times, but 20 times. 5.4 billion people, not just 20 times, but 40 times. Not just 40 times, but 80 times. 
Not just 80 times, but 100 times. Not just 100 times around the world, the largest point of the world, but 124 times. That's how many people are alive right now that do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And you ask us why we do what we do. Why do we go to Samaritan's Purse? Why do we help folks rebuild? Why do we, why do we share the gospel every single message? Is because there are so many people. See, whenever you take it from just being a number of 5.2 billion people and you begin to put people in the place of how far it's going to extend, now Now it becomes a reality, and with the reality comes a responsibility. I'm telling you folks that not only do you know people, but this world is filled with people that are going to hell, that need the love of Jesus Christ. And you know what? Jesus will show them love the same way that you were shown love in and through somebody else. Please give these fine gentlemen just a a hand clap here this morning. I love that, Joe. So to change our world, we've got to see three different ways. Number one, we've got to see where people are. And I'm not talking about just India. I'm not talking about Indonesia. I'm not talking about Africa. I'm not talking about the Philippines or the Dominican Republic. We're getting ready this Tuesday, taking a group of 14 people to the Dominican Republic on another mission trip. Please. Please be praying for our traveling safety and that God will just use us as we go, right? Let us come back in the country. That would be good. But I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the people that are in your world, reaching your world for the, for the gospel. Psalm chapter 37 and verse 23 says this, that the steps of a good person are ordered by the Lord. That means that he will order your steps to come into connection points or contact with people that desperately need to know. You know what I call these? I call these divine appointments. Proverbs 16, 9 says this, in his heart, a man puts things on the calendar. Well, I don't, but my wife does. She puts a lot of things on the calendar. Like she plans, you know, her day, her week. She plans our month. She plans our year. She's got, she's detailed, man. She is, she is putting things on the calendar, but the Lord is the one that dis- determines the steps. And so we have to be living conscience of the people that are around us. Amen? And I just want you to know this, folks, that there are a lot of people around you that Jesus loves and desperately wants to save. And guess what? He's going to use you, come on, to share the good news with them, and you get, a, you get to be a part of that life change transformation. I wish we had enough time to ask each of these that were baptized, you know, where it was that, that they gave their heart to the Lord. For some of them, it may have been a long time ago. For others, it may have just been recently. But I would love to know, too, who shared with you, and, and what's your story? Like, who... who who was a part of, of, of you coming to this place that you're at here right now, right? Because every single one of us, other people, have played a part in our salvation. So we've got to come and we've got to see who they, uh, you know, where they are. And then the next thing we've got to do is we've got to see who they are. And, and, and when we see who they are, can I just give you a bit of advice just real quick? Connect with them before you correct them. 
right? Have you ever been a part of or, or, or known somebody that all they want to do is just, you know, maybe they even get saved just recently and they're, they're got a lot of zeal for the Lord and, and they really want to just spend their time telling you everything that you're going to, you know, you're doing inappropriately, you're doing wrong. And I'm just saying, before you correct somebody, connect with them. So who is it that God has brought into your life that you're supposed to connect with, right? That you're supposed to, you know, you're supposed to see. And we live in a day and a time where everyone hates everyone, right? Like we can't even agree to disagree anymore. The left hates the right. The right hates the left. The Christian hates the Muslim. The Muslim hates the Christian, the Democrat hates the Republican. The Republican hates the Democrat, right? The vaccinated hate the unvaxxed, and the unvaxxed hate the, the vaxxed. Everybody is just like being divided and, 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 and separated, right? But I'm just telling you this. Even the people that are mean to you, right? You need to know that there's a purpose that God is using you for Come on, to reach them, to love them, to, to serve them. Do not allow yourself to see people as your enemy. And right now, I'm just going to be honest with you. Right now, as your pastor, this should just bring great confidence. It's difficult because sometimes I am so confused at why one person can think so differently than I can think that I'm just like, I almost get disgusted. And then I have to remind myself of who I am and who I belong to, right? How many of you just, if you were going to be honest, you can get easily caught up in, in just being disgruntled towards other people? If, if, if Nobody's going to raise their hand, just smile, laugh, <laughs> ha ha. So never allow yourself to see people as your enemy. Matthew 9.36 says this, when Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because he realized why they were so mean. They were so mean because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. You take a look at the Good Samaritan, the story of the Good Samaritan. You got, you got a guy that's, that's been robbed and, and stolen from and, and uh, the, the thieves looked at the Good Samaritan as a victim to exploit. And then all of a sudden, the priest comes by and, and they see the Good Samaritan as a problem to avoid. And then all of a sudden, the Good Samaritan comes along and, and looks at a person that's in need of love and serves him and takes care of him and, and makes sure that he's on his road to, to healing. And so even the mean people in your life, come on, let's, let's really try to see them through the lens that Jesus gives us. Because I'm telling you what, the mean, the nasty, you know, the people that are different than you, come on, what they need is they need the same love and the same uh, blessings and the same giftings that God, the same forgiveness that God has given to you is what they need for themselves. And so, so that brings us into number three, open your eyes to what it is that they need. This can be confusing in the church. We've had some great teachings on this. In fact, I think Pastor Matt spoke about this a long time ago, maybe over a year ago, about truth and grace, right? Some churches, man, they are so strong on truth. Well, listen, you just got to tell them the truth. Tell them if they don't turn their, you know, turn and burn. You know, if they don't, if they don't change their ways, they're going to go to hell. 
And how many of you know that there's an element of truth in that? Right? But how effective are you going to be? Are you going to reach anybody? There are churches that, that, that literally remain us four and no more because they don't have any wisdom. You know, they don't have any. The second portion of that is grace. And guess what? There are churches that are just like grace, 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 kiss, 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 kiss. Just kiss, kiss. Let me just kiss you on your forehead. Grace, grace, grace. Grace on your face and all over the rest of your body. Just grace every place. And guess what? If, you, if you're grace, 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 but you can never have a truthful conversation with somebody, how many of you know that that's not the right way? Right? Jesus here, he gives us, John chapter 114 says this, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of what? Grace and truth. It's a balance. See, grace and truth is perfect medicine. Come on, for somebody that's lost and hurting, right? Jesus comes across a, a short fella by the name of Zacchaeus. He, he climbed up into a sycamore tree, right? He climbs up there, and Zacchaeus was a thief of thieves. Like, he was, he was a terror. He robbed and stole from everybody. This is the kind of guy that would rob from his parents, right? And, and Jesus sees him, and he says, hey, listen, I want to invite you to lunch today. Now, the Bible doesn't clearly say what happened during the lunch, but at the end of the luncheon, Zacchaeus is leaving, and the Bible says that he made a, a, a commitment to pay back four times the amount of what he had taken. I would have loved to have seen that lunch. I would have loved to have heard the full conversation that took place during that lunch. Jesus comes across a, a woman that had been caught in the act of adultery. That means, for those of us that do not know, she was with a man that wasn't her husband. I don't know why the man wasn't brought out to Jesus, but the religious leaders of the day brings this woman, throws this woman at the feet and says, this woman has been caught dead to rights. In the act, we saw her. We've pulled her. And the law says that she should be stoned to death. And Jesus simply said this. He said, listen. He said, you're absolutely right. She should be killed right here and right now. But he said this. He said, let you that is without sin cast the first stone. And then all of a sudden, this woman's hearing these stones drop all around her, but none of them are hitting her. And then all of a sudden, Jesus says, woman, lift up your head. Where are your accusers at? Where are the men that brought you here and threw you? Well, she said, they're gone. And he says, neither do I accuse you. Come on, that's the grace. Somebody say grace. grace. But did he leave it there? No, he added something to it. He said, listen, woman, I love you. I don't accuse you. But he brings the truth to it. He says, go and sin no more. And I'm just telling you that I really feel like that ministers to somebody right here and right now. It's like God forgives you of your sins, but come out from that place of bondage. Come out from that place. Don't go and do it anymore. But if you happen to do it again, and your heart is still repentant like it is, then my grace and forgiveness is going to be sufficient for that time as well. 
but grace and truth. Amen? Somebody say grace. grace. Somebody say truth. truth. So to, to change our world, we need to show people the same kind of love that God has shown us, and that's unconditional love. How you view God, and this is my clothes, Matt, if you can come on up. How you view God, it matters. You know, a lot of people, they view God as a locked gate, right? A locked gate that you don't have the key to or you don't have the code to. Have you ever been to a gated community and you're just like having to call people like, I don't know the code, or you forgot the code is really more where I'm at. But you can't get in. And I'm just telling you this, that Jesus is the key to your salvation. Jesus is the code, right? A lot of other people, they, they look at God as, as, you know, their view of, is that they're, they themselves are a garbage can. They've done too much wrong. They, they cannot be forgiven. And I'm just telling you this. While you were at your best sinning, sinning Christ died for you. While you were, I should say, at your worst, at your lowest, at your filthiest, at your dirtiest. It was at that time that Jesus Christ died for you. That if you would just receive him, right, you would have everlasting life. A lot of other people, they see Jesus as an endless ladder. You know, and there's a lot of religions that base their view on God as an endless ladder. Like it takes a bunch of work. Like I can get there, but man, it's going to take a ton of work to get there. And whenever I think I'm getting close, honestly, I'm reminded that I'm so far away. You know what I mean? I'll get there one day, but I'm telling you what, you are saved by grace through faith, not of works. You can't be good enough. You can't give enough money. You can't serve people enough. You, you, can't, you, can't, you can't try your best, you know what I mean, not to sin and fall, because if you come up, if you break one of the commandments, you've broken them all. And then the proper vision is viewing God as a gift giver. And this is the proper vision that he gave his son, that if you would just believe in him, believe in your heart and confess Jesus with your mouth, if you would say, I believe Jesus, you are the only begotten of the Father. And I believe you died on, on, a, on a cross, not like this, but a tree. You died on a cross for me. And when you died on that cross, you took my sins. You bore my sins. You've, you've taken my sins. That if I believe in you and receive you, that I don't have to pay for those sins. Somebody did. You did. But I'm forgiven. See, it's a free gift. And I just wonder this morning, if there's somebody here, you're just like, you know what? That's a gift that I need to receive. Because you can be given the gift. You know this. 7.6 billion people on the planet right now are given the gift. But only, only a fraction of them have opened it. So you could be given the gift, but if you don't open it, maybe this morning the Lord's saying, I need to open the gift that was given to me. You mean all I got to do is believe in my heart and confess it with my mouth? That's exactly right. That is the beginning. Come on. That is the beginning of, of you being saved. Your name being written in the Lamb's book of life. So that when you pass, come on, you will be, you will be in the presence of the King. 
Heaven is for you. He has gone to prepare a place for you that where he is, you might be there also. So if you're here this morning, I just have to ask if you need to receive Jesus for the first time or you're here and you're just like, you know what? I've received him in my past, but I need to make the Lord a priority. I'm going to ask you to boldly just put your hand in the air. We're not doing the everybody close your eyes and we're not doing that. This is an exciting thing, right? If that's you, just lift your hand in the air and say, I need Jesus in my life. If that's you, go ahead and raise them up right here, sir. Thank you. All back here. Thank you. Is there anybody over here? Back here. Up top? So good. Come on, let's put our hands together for those this morning. Everybody stand to your feet. We're going to go ahead and say a very simple but a powerful prayer. Make this your own prayer this morning. Jesus, we thank you. Thank you for your love. Thank you, Lord, for the gift of life. And today, Lord, I receive that gift. I open that gift. I do believe in my heart that you are the only begotten of the Father. And I confess my sins to you right now, God. You know them all already. But I confess that I am a sinner. And I'm asking you, Lord, please forgive me of my sins. Wash me, cleanse me, make me new. God, my life is not my own. It belongs to you. Help me to serve you well. Give me, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God that gives anointing and power to do the things that I cannot do in myself. God, I want my life to be poured out for you, and I want my life to count. Use me in Jesus' name. I belong to you. And everybody said, amen and amen. Let's give the Lord a hand clap one more time. Now listen. If you've prayed that prayer for the first time, we want to give you a gift. We've got a book. I encourage you to read it. Track me down, track my wife down, but let us get that book into your hands. We've got a track for you to run on as well, but I want to say welcome to the family. Welcome to the family. God bless you. That's it for today's teaching. Hey, here's an idea. Share today's message with a friend or family member. If you're listening from outside our fellowship, we'd love to meet you. Visit graceid.org and hit the contact form to get in touch. We'd also love for you to join us. You can even check us out on Facebook Live by searching Facebook for Grace Church Rupert ID. Learn more and plug in at graceid.org. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Grace Community Church.